What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We got a lot on the show. We talk about the Larry Wheels controversy. We talk about some of the meets that happened in Illinois over the weekend. We have an interview with Ben Poor. Terrific interview with him. Great lifter. I love the guy. Uh, Really good interview with him. We also get into our Two White Lights topic of the week, RPE versus percentage-based training. But before we get into that, I want to talk to you guys about Rivalus. Visit Rivalus.net. Use promo code ANGELO15 to get 15% off of creatine, pre-workout, branching amino acids, protein, any merchandise you want. Use promo code ANGELO15. Save some money and get 15% off of any of your supplements. Also, visit twowhitelights.com, buy a Two White Lights t-shirt, check them out. Also, visit our blog. I got a lot of questions on PH3, and I've been doing a training log. Check it out if you guys have any questions. Those training logs will probably answer a lot of questions. So take a look there, visit twowhitelights.com, and now here it is, Two White Lights. It is Monday, July 29th, and uh, Larry Wheel did something. That's what they're saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this might be the last time we do this segment, because yeah. um, if he did in fact do something, he's not going to be doing anything for possibly his entire career. Yeah, he may be doing just a few things. And or, very... or just not a big social media presence. Yeah. Uh, uh, which, by the way, he's posting a lot. He's just no, posting he's not... random shit on his story. About... Well, story, but like I don't think... He... Yeah, I don't think he's running his, like, uh, PR merch thing. I think someone else is definitely running that for him. Yeah, I think he's got a PR team doing PR merch right now. <laughs> yeah, well, he needs a better PR team. Let's uh, work on that. But, so, Larry Wheels did something... Possibly. For those who, for the few that haven't heard this yet. Yeah, I mean, if you follow Two White Lights, if you follow both of us, you probably heard about this. And if you follow the meme pages that we're pretty close to, you definitely heard about it because they had a field day with this. But, uh, Larry Wheel's ex-girlfriend came out with a YouTube video, kind of like a tell-all, 17-minute video of, uh, her name is Kelsey King, Instagram channel is King C. And... In this video, talked about Larry Wheel's infidelity. I am not surprised. Twenty-one-year-old uh, nope. on trend. It, it happens to my personal friends. Um, infidelity for five years um, with guys and girls. I mean, hey, it's twenty nineteen. Well, no, that's actually the least. That's definitely not the bad thing Larry did. Do you no, want? Honestly, does not like that part of it doesn't bug me at all. No, like, I'm hey. like if Larry, yeah, Larry Wheels is bi, I would be totally cool with that. Um, just don't cheat on your girl, but talked about the infidelity, but then towards seven minutes, 50 seconds into the video talks yeah. about abuse and how emotionally and physically abusive he was towards her. And she has audio evidence of domestic 
abuse and him hitting her with closed fists. Um, I guess at this point we have to say allegedly because we can't see anything and there hasn't been a trial and all that kind of stuff. But from the audio clips that are available, it does in fact sound like Larry Wheels. Mm-hmm. It does in fact sound like terrible, terrible violence being committed towards a male on a female. Yep. Um, it does sound like it's someone, and then the video progresses into him calling the cops and seemingly a last ditch effort because he knew exactly what he did was horribly wrong and trying to get and trying to keep his hands clean. And the fallout has been, has been strange. It's, it's been a, it's been a weird one. And, and the reason why I say that is because Larry Wheels hasn't said anything yet. Yeah. And it's just a constant deleting comments of anything he said. You go on his page, comment something like what happened between you guys, and the comments are getting quickly deleted, deactivating comments on most posts. Um, People are getting blocked, too, for posting anything even close to negative. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what's going to happen, but... Yeah, it doesn't seem like the PR team is or Larry Wheels is has a good department around him. I think that's what he needs because I would just have deactivated my entire page until all this is is settled. Yeah, it's saying you know, anything talking, is probably bad too, but you, whatever you say, it has to be done very uh, deliberately. Yeah, and and we talked a little before the show, you know how how we would handle this, right? Because you, you can't really not say anything. Yeah, but. The other day, what we were talking about potentially is, um, you know, a man putting his hands on a woman, which, uh, let me rephrase it, a male putting his hands on a woman. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe you can call yourself a man if you do that, if you put your hands on a woman in anger. And whatever's on this audio, it, it to your point, it sounds like Larry. I'm not seeing anything, so I can't tell for sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I am, I just hope that whoever's on that video or on that audio is getting the help they need, both sides of it. The, the woman who appears to be getting, you know, attacked is safe. Mm-hmm. And, and the rest of this story comes out and either Larry's dealt with with the justice system or he's exonerated because he truly did nothing wrong, at least in this sense, morally wrong by cheating. Yes, that, that would all give him. And, and you know, the powerlifting world moves on. Uh, whatever's on that audio is disturbing and disgusting. Yeah, it is. And it was there... I mean, most, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, Matt Wallace, uh, sent me it. Um, shout out to Matt. Good meet yesterday as well. I, he sent me the audio and I had one thing what I was thinking of. And then I heard him like, oh, dude, I did not really want to hear that. I, and I was surprisingly, I was like taken back by it because I didn't think it would be that, um, graphic and that, and yeah, that's that clear of what's going on. But, so here's the, the, the fallout thing. So, I go and watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Amazing yep. fucking flick. I get up. I open my phone. I'm like, what the shit happened on Instagram? Because yep. I'm just seeing, because I follow a lot of these pages. People think I run subpar powerlifting memes. I do not. Uh, another person runs that entire page. But I saw them post. I saw World's Weakest meme post. I saw meme pages. I saw different. I saw squat bench deadlift post. And... I make memes myself. I find memes funny. I found these memes to be funny for the most part. But the fallout of this is you got... Is it more important to bash 
Larry Wheels and look for people to visit your page and like your page and comment and get um, some clout and some exposure on your page? Or is it to show sympathy for this girl who was abused? Because I am not a fan of posting any meme making it i don't think it's making light but i don't want to remind this person that she got the bejeebus kicked out of her by a very large strong person and that's what a lot of these memes are and that's what a lot of people are posting like i don't find that too funny i i think we could poke fun of him another way like his career's over and our um goal is to kind of end his career if he did do it i could get on board with that but those types of memes of him actually abusing his girlfriend I just don't like, out of mostly respect of her. Yeah, it, anything that makes light of domestic abuse and, and domestic violence or violence of a male to a woman, that's, I, I don't find that funny. Yeah. I understand where from, where it's, hey, it's, uh, I don't want to call it low-hanging fruit or anything like that. It, it's not, I, I hear what people are doing with it. I believe the intent is to shed light on the situation. And, you know, to your point, if this, if he did this, and again, a lot of very damning evidence looking like he did, um, in that social media presence, that influencer career that he has, because I don't want this person influencing anybody in, in any industry, let alone. Yeah. And, and, and I think Mark Lobliner talked about it. He is probably the hottest thing in fitness right now. He's got a great physique. He's in strongman. His Instagram plate is blowing up. His company is doing very well. His YouTube page is very, very good. I mean, as far as, like, a social media fitness personality, Larry Wheels is probably number one right now. And it looks like he yeah. can't get away from that. Because if you look at Larry Wheels' stories, it just – what's up? He lost 600,000 followers since this thing happened. Yeah, he and – million. He's on the board. It's crazy. Yeah, that's, that, that is a lot. And when – it's like – yeah, as far as him being in the fitness community, he's been probably one of, the like, the biggest presence there. But – you kind of probably have to take a step back from this, and it doesn't doesn't seem like he can get away from it because he's still posting weird, dumb shit on his Instagram story of like that annoying, you know, this is the winner of the PR belt. I'm in Seoul, South Korea. I'm doing this. I'm doing like, dude, you just are. You, it's like you're either not running your fucking page or you just you you're clueless. You're clueless of what's going on. But or he's yeah. he, he already setting PRs, deleting comments like crazy because. Or blocking people like crazy. He might be, um, have Gracie V beat on that. But he, I'm, I'm kind of befuddled at the whole situation as far as his social media presence right now. Because, yeah, influencers suck in general, but this is a whole nother level. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how this plays out. I know we, we said it early that maybe this is the last time we do this segment. I think obviously though, there is, there is more to come on this whole situation. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't think this one's going to get swept under the rug because one, he doesn't have the uh, the fixers as maybe some other fitness personalities have. Yeah. Um, so I, I really do think that this is going to going to play out, and we're going to see it. And you know, as corny as it is, and I, I do look for the silver linings, these kind of things. The more things that bring that bring light and shed light on the reality of domestic violence, and and give those who are victims of it, be it male, female, children, whatever. Give them the ability to end the, the courage to stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. That is positive. Yeah. And that is a, a silver lining coming out of this is that it is another example of somebody finally saying enough is enough. And again, whether it was him, someone else, whatever, uh, 
continue to give those who very, very many times are voiceless, giving them a voice. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that could be a good thing that happens from just this whole situation is yeah. kind of that uh, exposure. Yeah, and then uh, I also post on my story because I was genuinely curious because I stayed away from the memes. Mm-hmm. I made one, and, yeah. you know, if Larry Beals found me cute, um, I'll be actually flattered by that. But um, I posted <laughs> a sh- piece of shit meter on my page. And like yeah, and I wanted to see legitimately where people stood because Anthony, our unofficial correspondent, big fan of the show, we love you, Anthony, yep. uh, messaged both of us in two white lights of fanboys, wheelies, as Matt Wallace yep. likes to say, defending him immediately without any evidence of their own. And I posted that thing like, how many people legitimately think he's a piece of shit? And it's mixed. Granted, most people think he has done it and the evidence is seemingly towards that way now with me getting burned with sean roden i'm not going to throw anyone under the bus anymore but but oh yeah so when i saw those the like the piece of shit meter it was mixed and people still are defending him and i generally wanted to see that myself i'm like do people still believe him has he lost a fan base and granted most of the people who did you know message me is like no i don't think he did it were your prototypical 16 through 19 year old who thinks Larry Wheels walks on water? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, I did not want to make anything uh, light of the situation that shows him like beating up his ex girlfriend. Um, I don't think that's right, uh, and it's mostly out of respect for her. But mm-hmm. what I will say is this: if you guys want me to talk shit about someone, I will. And this is a sentence I never thought I would say for a wide variety of reasons. But Black Tom Cruise can go fuck himself. He can go fuck right off. Because, and uh, yeah, again, it's so weird saying black Tom Cruise can go fuck himself. Um, Tom Cruise, white Tom Cruise, you're still cool in my book. Keep making Mission Impossible movies. But black Tom Cruise... Alright, so what happened is someone asked him, because he used to train with Larry Wheels, on what happened. And did he know this was going on? And his response was, there's two sides to every story. People do anything for clout. This is all probably total BS. And I looked at that. And by the way, the meme made of him was fucking incredible. That Family Guy meme. Check it out on yep. Subpar Powerlifting and World's Weakest Meme. I That's like number one in my book for memes in powerlifting ever. I laughed my ass <laughs> off. But in this situation, Black Tom Cruise, shut your thumbhead ass looking up. Don't fucking say anything keep your mouth shut because if it is true or if you do have evidence if it is true tell us don't just go and say that little thing and then leave it there and then say nothing else afterwards or or even if you do and you're working with a legal team no comment yeah well then well that's my second one don't say anything if don't say anything keep your mouth shut continue to lift weights and don't even comment anything. Just say, I'm not going to talk about that shit. That's that's something I'm not going to talk about. It's about someone else. I'm not saying anything. Saying that people do anything for clout, because if this is completely true, which right now it looks like it is, you just said people will do anything for clout, and this is why we have these types of movements, is because people aren't believing the victim anymore. Sorry, I'm not going to go on a rant on that, but it, it the, the kind of ignorance that that comment shows is... It's sad. Yeah. And 
and yeah, it, you know, original comment, he can go fuck himself. He can go fuck right off. And if he happens to get crushed under a weight, I, I wouldn't spot him. Yeah, I I, I mean, what's that? I'd go full USAPL spotter on him. Yeah. Oh, that's dangerous. That's a death yep. punch waiting to happen. But um, Or at least a torn ACL. But, yeah, I just got more angry at that, I think, with anything. Because, one, how stupid can he be to just say that? Um, get kind of off the cuff and then not shed any more light on that. But I don't know. I mean, I was never a – I mean, I never had anything against him, but I wasn't a fan of him, quote-unquote fan. Um, but now, yeah, if I uh, – I mean, if there's a fight between us, I would bet on him. But still, I would did see him in person ever or just – you know, I don't fuck with that guy because that's just a dumb thing to say. Even if, he, even if he's right, I still don't fuck with you. That's no. just a dumb thing to say. But it is. So that's what's happened. Hopefully um, some good comes out of this. Um, you know, either... The one thing I'll say about this, this is how I would... Because I'm thinking about this whole thing and you know how the wheelies have been responding. Uh, if you rewind quite a few years ago, the whole Michael Vick situation. Yeah. This very much reminds me of that in that you have people that will vehemently defend this person until... And I'll admit, I was one of them. Yeah. Up, I was too. Day, up until the day he was found guilty, I vehemently defended Michael Vick, and and so the, for those that are defending Larry Wheels, if you're listening, that that's okay to defend him. That's not you're, you're not dumb. You're not wrong. You're allowed to do that. You're allowed to feel that way. You're allowed to say point to evidence. At the same time, you were also allowed to say, "Don't shame the victim. Don't not believe them because they're bringing a story forward. Let it all play out. If and when the guilty verdict comes out." It, it, it is a very tough thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, my gut is telling me, and I don't know why, that this is going to play out very similar to the big situation where they're going to keep either ignoring or denying, and eventually the, he's going to get the book thrown at him, just like Vic did. Yeah, for Nobody's sure. Nobody's going to run on him, and, and it's going to be lights out for him. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's actually a pretty good way, good way to look at it. So, again, yeah, hopefully good comes out of the situation. But um, we'll probably get a little bit more information as the weeks go on. But in brighter news, we had a few really good meets in our home state of Illinois over the weekend. There was Rockwell, uh, a meet that I wanted to do. If USAPL wasn't coming to Lombard, I would have done this meet. And it was a really, really good meet. Possibly the best atmosphere of any meet I've ever been to. Yeah, the atmosphere was terrific, and it was because I think it was a great venue for it. Uh, West side of Chicago, CrossFit gym, really big CrossFit gym. Um, mm-hmm. There was a few, like, higher level. They're, they're all boxes, sir. <laughs> well, they are. This one was, and it was hot as hell in there. And that was probably the, like, I felt more grimy after that meet than any. And I wasn't even competing. I feel bad for all my friends competing. But the atmosphere was great because I think a lot of teams came in full throttle to support their oh, yeah. lifters. It, people and, rolling deep in there. Yeah, we had Team Ritual. We had um, people from Elite FTS. We had people from JF Strength, um, Barbell Benders, you know, people from my old gym, Brickhouse, people from Surge. It yeah. was, and it was run by, uh, I think Sergio uh, directed that meet. I could be wrong. but no, Sergio didn't. It was another uh, person who did. Okay. Well, well, Surge had a big part as far as the equipment and judging and that kind of stuff and loading and spotting. So it was a really great meet, great atmosphere. I'm going to go on record saying it was the best atmosphere I've been to because it felt like there was 
huge eruptions from the crowd at every, like, there's two platforms, too. So you felt, like, eruptions from both sides of platforms, either on those grinders, people coming back and hitting the third attempt that they missed the second attempt, uh, big lifts, easy lifts. It was great, and I got to handle someone. I was happy about that. Or initially I wasn't, because... um, Few of the people I used to train with at Brickhouse were all competing um, on this day. So Mitch, former guest of the show, uh, Neil, my burner accounts, Janelle, Taylor, Mike, uh, Brock, big fan of the show too, and John were all competing, and I used to train with them. Uh, Mitch, uh, Dilo Fit, if you guys want to follow him, coaches um, a good amount of them. And he had to handle, but at the same time he was competing, and him and John were competing on separate platforms. So Mitch was like, hey, can you handle John, kind of call out his attempts and kind of keep, like, kind of keep him just kind of grounded and if he needs any spots or help, just help him with that. I'm like, sure, no problem. And good Lord if John Sherwin is not one of the best first-time lifters I've seen in person before. It was such a goddamn good meet from John Sherwin. If you guys want to follow him, give him a follow. He killed it. First meet, 27 years old. 231 pounds, wins best overall raw lifter. Nine for nine meets. I'm going to apologize on air because I really lowballed his third attempt. I did not know what his third attempt was because I haven't trained with him in a good five months. But, yeah, 622, 407, and 727 deadlift. And I think he could have got 30 pounds on squat and deadlift for sure. I think bench was the only one but it was cool handling someone i actually had joy in doing it at first i was kind of like i don't know how i'm gonna do in this situation then i had fun with it it was a really fun thing to do and um it is it was i enjoyed it and um i and i do enjoy watching those guys compete because those are like those are the first powerlifters i've trained with from like a very consistent pattern i have a lot of powerlifting friends but those those group of people I've actually trained with three or four times a week. So they all did great. Uh, Janelle pulled 412, I believe, at 130 pounds, which is pretty beast pull. Um, Had a great meet herself. And, yeah, and Neil, of course, did great. He's my burner account, so my burner accounts won't have shitty totals. No. And uh, Mitch did great, too, a good rebound meet. Awesome, awesome meet to go to. Great atmosphere and... I'm, I was actually a little, when I was there, I was a little upset that I didn't get to compete in it. And uh, Tommy Guns. Yeah, Tom, Tommy Guns, fan of the show, friend of the show. He, uh, uh, best raw with wraps. Lifter, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah so, I think that was the only two divisions, raw and uh, classic raw. Or raw with wraps, as USPA likes to call it. So the only reason I did not go to that meet is because my sister actually is back from Kuwait. She was, she's been deployed, uh, for those who know me personally. Uh, so she is back in the States, and so she actually was staying at my parents' house uh, for a few weeks and is heading back to the East Coast um, to go do her actual job uh, on Tuesday. So wanted to make sure I saw my sister. I haven't seen her in almost a year um, with her over, you know, doing doing the military things. So unfortunately, wasn't able to make it out to, to that meet. But, yeah, I fully plan to go out, enjoy the atmosphere, uh, see David Thompson, Tommy Guns, because I was very much looking forward to watching him train and, and lift in person. Um, we just miss each other most times I'm in Iowa. And so I really wanted to watch that. And then obviously everything else I saw from the meet was it was just incredible. And so it looked like it was just an amazing meet. So I'm uh, sad I missed it, but obviously family first. Yeah, of course. Um, and it, it was a terrific meet. It was a terrific go. I had a great time. And 
Um, I I have a good time watching them compete. That's what I think it is because I've noticed that the atmosphere is better at meets where I have really good friends competing and I want to see compete. And yep. maybe that's why the atmosphere is so great is because I was like almost emotionally invested in watching um those I don't know five six seven uh people lift. So yeah, awesome meet there. Fun too. What's up? All I'm saying, Orlando's going to be fun, too. Yeah. Well, shit. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't doubt it's going to be fun. Um, I, congrats, congratulations to Gerard getting married. Yes, yes, he got married. Uh, very exciting. We Actually, he and I were, were uh, texting back and forth. A uh, little life hack for all those listening that, from uh, Bane being a dad and a husband here. He and I were talking about the wedding and just kind of everything that goes on. And, and I reminded him that one of the coolest moments is when you see your soon-to-be spouse at the end of the uh the runway essentially and so just get somebody behind your shoulder to take a picture of it and, and they did and um he said it, it, it was spot on what i told him i said that's that's a memory you want to cherish the rest of your life so yeah that's uh, and katie it's uh it's very very exciting for them yeah for sure and uh also tommy guns uh i forgot yep. to mention this he's an intense individual um yeah. i only knew him from social media i shot him a wink after his uh squat and yeah, the intensity was there, and I was, like, almost taken back by it. Because he he said, he's like, yep, uh, squat at 7.05 just now. And I was, holy shit. Because I look at him, and I'm like, he's every bit as 181 pounds as I am. And... I think he did, like, 181.9. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's... When I, I'm like, holy shit, this guy squatted 7.05, and I thought about him, like, well, I could barely deadlift 700, so that's, that's an incredible... And he's a you know, a smaller dude, um, yeah. mi- uh, middleweight and just it, the intensity after he did it, which is so cool because he got, um, he kind of got flamed on the internet for not hitting depth or people thinking that didn't hit depth at a UPA meet and UPA gets shit on a lot. Yeah. And it was cool. Someone not really celebrating in joy, but celebrating in anger. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's actually pretty sweet. It's, uh, it reminded me of the NFL. Reminded me of football. Reminded me of something like that where, or, or uh, mixed martial arts or something, where someone will celebrate not by, you know, jumping up and down, but just in, just anger. Yeah, just go ahead and say something. Go ahead. Yeah. Say whatever you want. Say yeah, it. talk talk to shit now. I just went to a USPA meet where this is a federation that all these people who are making fun of me compete in, and I just fucking shut you guys up. And it was cool. And he did, and the, the squat was definitely to depth. He had to walk out 705. Yep. Not easy thing to do. Uh, had a hard time walking out his opener. I did not see that. Oh, my yep. boy Jake Fisher saved him. Nice. nice. Yeah, uh, one, a good friend of ours, uh, Jake Fisher, uh, saved him on that one. So, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't get to see all of his lifts, and oh, I actually didn't get to see a lot of, like, different platforms because that's that's is the con to the different platforms. If all your friends is on one platform, you're not going to see because Charlie Blinkley also competed that day, and I didn't get to yep. see one of his lifts. Because when he was going, Janelle was going. So, like, I got to kind of go uh, in between that. So, um, yeah, great meet. I had a, I had a really good time. And um, hopefully I can do USPA meet uh, next year. At least one. Just one meet. So, um, I'm, I, I like that federation. I like the people right now. In Illinois, it could change state to state. Dick. And, uh, um, and... And, but in Illinois, it seems great. So I, I want to be, you know, see what Sergio does when he runs a meet, see what other people do when they run a meet. Um, yeah. it, it'll be really cool just at least locally. But 
We also are good friends at APF and 2XL had a meet. I have a very special connection to this meet. You loaded and spotted, right, for yeah, the meet as well? I did. So uh, Eric actually reached out to me, you know, guest of the show and, and friend of the show, Eric Stone, uh, reached out to me and said, hey, would you be available on Friday night uh, to come and spot and load? I, I'll be honest, I was hesitant because I was uh, training uh, yesterday morning. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, we've got uh, Emma and Callie are actually coming over from the U.K. Uh, because they do kind of a tour of the U.S. every year, depending on what they their schedules are. Last year was the exception with uh, AWPC Worlds being in Manchester, but uh, they decided to adjust their, their schedule for their trip here to the U.S. They came here, they're going to Salt Lake City to train with her sponsors, Anderson Powerlifting, and then they're coming down to assist with AWPC Worlds in a few weeks uh, when I'm down there. He said they they want to compete. They want to do bench only. Can you come spot and load? Because we need strong spotters and loaders for them. He said no problem. Friends of the show, friends of, of ours, great people, uh, run great meets themselves. Yeah, to, chance to be able to compete uh, and not worry about anything. No problem. I'll, I'll come. I knew that Callie was strong. I knew Emma was strong too, but I did not realize how strong this man is. Mm-hmm. He, he opened at like seven thirty four. Got that on the second attempt. He actually took gave 804 a run uh, and almost locked it out. Uh, he's about an inch from the lockout. And he's doing a single ply. Okay. And yeah, that's ridiculous. It, it, the man is unbelievably strong and a great technician. And um, and I, I do not want to steal Emma's thunder, but I have to tell this story. She she came out um, old old shirt she had that you can tell this thing's been worn many many times. Uh, you know for years. Got her opener, got her second, which was 215 kilos. Uh, I don't know what the conversion on that is. I'm sure we could do that here in a second. But yeah. that weight was something she hit in at Worlds 2015 or 2014, WPC Worlds. Right after that, she started getting uh, some health issues. She had surgeries on her elbow, her shoulder, all types of different things. And basically, she had medical professionals telling her she will never come close to lifting that heavy again. Mm-hmm. And the big number she has been chasing now for five-plus years. Yeah. And watching her reaction, she, she posted the video of any of your friends with Emma on Facebook. Uh, she doesn't do the Instagram thing, but she posted the video on Facebook. And her reaction afterwards, she almost breaks down right there on, on the bench. And she gives 501 a run on her third attempt, gets it about two inches from lockout, and starts to float back over her face and pull it. That was the highlight for me was being able to handle those two because they did such a stellar job with us last year in England. And just be able to kind of reciprocate that was just so much fun. And then we got to hang out with them afterwards and drink and eat and be merry, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, that 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 is a, one a really cool story. And two, those those two from last year at Worlds, um, I just really enjoyed talking to them, especially Emma. Um, really, really. <laughs> they specifically said they missed you, by the way. Oh, that's uh, that's very sweet. Um, <laughs> I miss them too. But Emma, a very intelligent woman, yeah. just incredibly intelligent, and just talking to her about powerlifting. It's one of those, because when we reposted the um, interview we had with Janelle, mm-hmm. um, it was one of those, like, just conversations where you're not as much making me laugh and, like, entertaining me. You're actually giving me insight on things. And Emma well. and Emma did that very, very well, because she's a very bright lady and a very strong lady as well. And uh, Kelly, um, I can just tell he's a strong dude. i never seen him lift before. But yeah. he emceed both my meets and had me in weigh-ins, and I just looked at him like, he's a strong motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just know this. He's a good time. Uh, yeah, he's awesome. I like that guy. He's funny as hell, and um, he's he and 
yeah, he he could bring an atmosphere up to a meet as well, and um, I figured he was a strong dude, um, just based on how he looks. Mountain of a man. Yeah. So he is. He is. Yeah, so that's our brighter news. Uh, it's always good for like local meets, especially when you have good times at them. Um, yeah. And you, you can't have great times at meets. Um, Summer Bash is still going on, actually, as we record the show. I think the females are going today. So good yeah. luck to all the females. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to all the males yesterday. Pat, Pat Crawford squatted 804 uh, raw with refs yesterday. I saw that. That was yeah. uh, that was pretty badass. Uh, Matt Wallace went 6 for 9. Nice. Yep. If you go 6 for 9, reduce it to 2 thirds. That's 2 white lights. You did everything you needed to do. That's Matt Wallace, Matt Wallace, you're a true fan of the show for doing that intentionally. Because I don't, yep. I think you could have gone nine for nine, but you did it just for us. And <laughs> PR in doing six for nine, so that's he did for, for total. Well yeah, done. yeah. If you, if I rather go six for nine than eight for nine, <laughs> <laughs> just just because I'm Rob Gronkowski, I guess. All right, so we have an interview. I had my kind of guy. This dude's awesome, Ben Poor. On the kind show. Of, your kind of guy, so awkward and pretty. Pretty much. I mean, that's exact way <laughs> to kind of describe the both of us. But I trained with Ben, and immediately I liked him. Okay. Because I just love those nonchalant powerlifters who are strong, and then, like, when they have a lift, they just, like, shrug and smile. And that's what Ben is. He's a strong, strong young lifter. USAPL lifter, total 1655 at 181. He's and he's much stronger than you would imagine too, especially with the bench press. Because we we bench and deadlift that day at quads um, when he was in the city, and his bench press was just it was knocking pretty much everyone in the gym back of how easily he was able to do three sixty. Um, and he's a guy who also does a lot of volume, which I respect that as well. So terrific interview with him. I love the guy. Here is Ben Poor, and as promised. I got 21-year-old lifter, 1655 total at 183 pounds, USAPL lifter, bright future in the sport. He's from Indiana, Benny the Jet Poor. How you doing, man? Doing well. How about yourself, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. We got a training session in last weekend. Had a really good time at quads, um, even though the platform's all fucked up over there and they got to fix it. Got a great workout with you. And the first thing I noticed when you came in through the door, I'm like, man, this motherfucker's much bigger than I thought. <laughs> what? I thought, it was like, I, we had Shane Nutt on. So we had Shane Nutt, and he said, like, you know, it's like, if you look at Ben, like, he, like you would question if he lifts or not. Then I looked, and I'm like, I, he definitely lifts, but it looked like you should be playing a whole other sport. Like an athletic ass build, tall, muscular. It sounds like I'm hitting on you. Probably am, but at the same time, I mean, we were in quads, so it's like right next to Boys Town, so I had to kind of fit in with the culture. But just a big dude and moving serious weight, throwing around 365 like it was nothing that day on bench. Uh, yeah. yeah, but we have you on the show. I admire you as a lifter. Um, we have a lot of people too. You were a fan requested interview. So, that's, really? uh, that, yeah. Um, if I if I message you on that post, that means fans wanted to hear certain lifters, and you were one of them. So, tell us a little bit about how you got your started in fitness, and how, or how that kind of, like, expanded into powerlifting. Yeah, so, um, basically when I was, like, 
a little kid. My dad was also grew up as a powerlifter. Yeah, you and your dad train a lot together. Yes, we do. We actually train every Saturday together. That's awesome. It's 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 really cool to see that like on your Instagram stories is like your dad spotting you, and your dad just seems like a like a mountain of a man. Oh yeah, for sure. Just like a rock. <laughs> yeah, but um, he he started bringing me in the gym like when I was born. Like the gym owners would always watch over me. Okay. Um, when he took me to the gym, but it didn't really get serious till I was about ten years old playing football. So you didn't get serious until ten. I was pretty serious. God damn, that's yeah. young. So, uh, yeah, once I started playing football, like, our strength program at Center Grove, where I uh, went to high school, was, like, pretty intense. So, um, I started lifting three days a week pretty seriously. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, and kind of evolved from there. I was always playing soccer um, mm-hmm. from the four to sophomore year of high school. So, and then after I quit soccer, I, that's when I took up powerlifting full-time. All right, so it's like powerlifting kind of in the blood, and then that sport kind of always seems like a common story. Sports kind of propel people into either fitness or powerlifting. Yeah. So uh, you said football. Was that like a big-time football school? Uh, yeah, yeah. They were. They won state a few times. Uh, when I was there, they won state like right before I left, like my graduating year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they were very good at football within the state of Indiana, so. But I uh, I didn't play football much longer than, like, a few years when I was 10 to 13 or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the times where it's, like, a big high school football school, you were going to see a lot of either bodybuilders or weightlifters come out of those high schools. Very similar to my high school. Like, it was Meathead City at my high school where me and Garrett actually talked about that, where his high school no one gave a shit about lifting, but then everyone in my high school gave a shit about lifting. That was, like, almost your identity for a while, was in the off-season, how much can you bench, how much can you squat, and how much can you power clean? Like, yeah. if, you had, if you had a good max out day, you were going to be popular for, like, at least three weeks. Yeah. Because you got your name on the strength board, so meathead schools are where it's at. For sure, for sure. All right, so, and, again, I mentioned it at the beginning of the show, young lifter, and you're coming off of a terrific performance at Collegiate Nationals. Uh, 501 Wilkes, I don't know how IPF points work, whatever that translates to, I don't know. I gotta stop looking up Wilkes, and I gotta start looking up IPF points. Yeah, I agree. Because now people, like, whenever I mention Wilkes, they're like, oh, that's not an accurate calculation of how strong people are. I'm like, I don't know how fucking IPF works are, so, uh, IPF point works, so, whatever. But you had a terrific performance there, so... Walk me through it, because a lot of times when we have really good meets, people still say they weren't satisfied, quote-unquote. So, were you satisfied with that meet? Um, no, I feel like I left a lot on the platform, like, from, from like, leading up to it, because I, I had cut a lot of weight, and I figured I could, you know, maintain some of that strength, but um, definitely, like, I was hitting triples at... 575 on squat before the meet and then I only squatted 600 so it was like it's kind of disappointing for me but I did have to cut like seven pounds of water so yeah you walk around at what 192 190 to 192 okay yeah so a weight cut's gonna do something to you especially when you have same day weigh-ins yeah so with the same day weigh-ins the weight cuts are gonna have an effect on you but still had a terrific performance now, are you going to stay at 183 pounds? 
No, I'm dead. Good, because that's my weight class, so get the hell out. <laughs> Alright, I'm coming back now. Alright, awesome. <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> I could barely, yeah, I, I'm struggling to get to 1650, so. Um, so, alright, so in all seriousness, you, are you making the move up a weight class? I really am, yeah, I'm actually sticking with it this time. The plan was to go 93 at collegiate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I cannot get my body weight up to where I want it to be, so I decided to make the cut in the short term. Okay. But yeah, definitely, like, we're on that, so I'll be at 93. Um, I'm only about 192 waking up right now, so I still have a lot of room to, to grow, but... Wait, hold on, what's the weight classes? That is it? 205. It's 205. Yeah, because USAPL and IPF throw me a fucking curveball on these weight classes, because I, I was so used to my entire life going 181, 198. But 205 pounds, alright. Well, you definitely have some weight to gain, but is... There a uh, goal weight that you want to gain up to for that meet? Yeah, at Raw Nats, I'd like to be just under 198. Okay. So I want to, because, like, that would give me a spot on open powerlifting as a 198. So okay. that's the goal weight under there. Okay. So. Yeah, that's, um, I- I'm looking forward to see you compete. And it looks like everything so far in your training has been going great. Uh, you hit a big bench, like, two days ago, three days ago? If you, if you count it, yeah, it was touch and go. Yeah. I, yeah, that was, um, I, I'm sure a lot of you do follow Ben on social media, but, or you definitely follow Garrett on social media, and, uh, <laughs> there was, a god damn, the, the amount of, the amount of drama that can happen out of a single lift that someone hits in the gym and decides to record and put on Instagram is just too much sometimes. Crazy. <laughs> touch and goes are good, though. They are good, especially if you're trying to overload things, if you're trying to do that. Um, you know, when some schmuck insults you constantly throughout a story, uh, <laughs> I just, that's one of, like, those negative things about social media. Yeah. But a good thing Garrett has no filter and will just fucking sit a guy down immediately when he decides <laughs> to belittle someone for no reason. Oh, yeah, Garrett could be your best friend for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah, uh, well, you know, just kind of change gears a little bit on that. So we are in this, like, age of social media with powerlifting. When that happens to you, like, someone's like, oh, that doesn't count. It's like, it's all bullshit lifts right now. Do you actually kind of like that or dislike it? I find it funny. Okay. (laughs) Honestly, I really don't care whatsoever. Yeah, Um, you're an extremely nonchalant kind of guy, but... Part of me, like, likes it. Like, whenever someone decides to take the time off of the story <laughs> to make fun of me, I'm like, all right, that's that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's like, oh, they're noticing me. Like, that's cool. But it's like, other than that, it's like, it's kind of funny. Just don't really care too much. So. Yeah, and the funny thing that I saw about that is I saw Garrett post something on his story. And I'm like, and I was confused. I'm like, I don't know what he's talking about and then i saw your story and it looked like you didn't even know what was going on i had no clue he had to go backwards and provide context to the entire situation so yeah yeah but um but training is looking great we're about what 12 weeks out from raw nats yep and so you're going to be up a weight class so how are you going to approach training this time for raw nationals 
Um, well, I the one change I am making right now is I'm definitely dialing back my squat days. So I used to squat three days a week, like all every single week, no like rest days for squat. Like <laughs> never took a break there. So I'm dialing dialing it back to two days because of this quad like problem that's going on. So I'm hoping that will allow me to recover better and um, hopefully put up a bigger squat. But I may have to change that as we get closer to the meet because um, that's my that's the lift I'm most worried about right now. It's definitely squat, <laughs> keeping my quad held together. But um, are are you doing with some uh, tendonitis? I I believe so. Yeah, it's like it's like the top of the knee, but it's like attached to the quad. So oh yeah, I think I remember you telling me that at quads, and this yeah. is probably going to happen if you have high bench volume. I mean, a high squat volume is eventually your muscles are going to get kind of overused a little bit but it, it's it's almost like a pro con to that and these are this is kind of like an information for the listeners look at ben's squat and you will see how fluid it is throughout all of the reps that is because of the frequency of the squat that he does he does it constantly does it you mentioned three times a week correct yeah with a lot of reps that will allow you to work on that form but the con to it is you're going to get some overused muscles that are going to cause you some pain. But what I will say, because I've been dealing with the same thing, and I have a lot of squat volume in my program as well, one rep, it seems to not really make a big difference. Yeah. So I kind of always kept that volume high. My quad started acting up, but then once the meat hit, like one rep is kind of easy and or doesn't really provide like or doesn't really cause a whole lot of tenderness and injury to that I, I completely agree yeah i feel like on meat day it's the pain's there but it's not anything that's uh you know gonna hinder you really but it's in training when you're trying to actually build your squat mm-hmm. that's can, you can definitely feel it there but yeah i agree with you yeah so. yeah with the amount of volume that you do it's gonna definitely be beneficial but at the same time uh it it hurts. Fucking working out hurts sometimes, man. Especially squat. I get nervous in squat just in general because I always think I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah, I feel that. So, or what, what are your goals for nationals? Got, like, a number in mind? Got uh, any sort of, like, set goals? Yeah. Yeah, so my initial plan was um, I'm really shooting for an 1,800 total. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of out there. Uh, don't know, you know. I've heard different sides of that, like, when I tell people, and they're like, oh, there's no way, like, but, you know, I have a lot of weight to gain, and I think if I can get up to the weight I want to hit, then Mm -hmm. I think it's there, but it's definitely going to be difficult, so. So, so 1,800-pound total, you totaled 1,655 and 183, okay. What what did you go in that meet? Six for nine, seven for nine, eight for nine? Seven, seven for nine. Okay. I think based on what I've seen so far from your lifts, 1,800 pounds can be there. It's a good goal to set, though, because if you get close to it, that's still a ridiculous total. Yeah. That's always the goal. Set it super high, and then, like, if you go 10 pounds below it, still pretty fucking good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, good. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing when your progress up to nationals and watching you compete. Um how is this going to be different from other preps that you've done? Um, honestly, I like to keep it pretty consistent. I, I feel like every prep that I've done, I've peaked almost perfectly, mm-hmm. you know, other than the weight cut 
Um, you know, this past collegiate was definitely the most brutal out of any I've done because I've gotten heavier each year. Um, but I'm, I'm going to keep it pretty... Like, well, with... Uh, so, I mean, just take it through, like, your structure of it. Is it staying the so, exact same as collegiate nationals, or it's just you're going to do the same exact program, but just you don't have to cut weight? Yeah, I think I definitely will be doing the same thing that I've always done, but like I said, the squat days are going to be definitely dialed back to two two a week. But, um, yeah, I think I'm definitely going to go about peaks in the same way, same program that I've always run. I've always written them myself, so. Yeah, you, uh, do you have a coach? I do not, no. Okay, so, but you do provide coaching, correct? I do, yes. All right, yeah, so. I've noticed that with a lot of um, the young lifters kind of coming up, they have a really good grasp of programming and kind of how to peak themselves and other people as well. So um, now speaking of being young, and I've mentioned it myself this interview like 8,000 times, do you ever get annoyed with people always bringing up your age when they're talking about your progress in the sport? Um, not really, no. I don't seem to really care. I do think, obviously, there's both sides where, like, oh, this kid has a lot of potential, um, but then you never know, like, is he already reached his potential? And then there's the other side where, like, oh, this kid isn't going to do anything, but yet he still has no clue what he's about to learn over the next year that's going to make him improve tenfold. Like, <laughs> you have no clue what's coming, so... Yeah, and it's something I'm always curious about with younger lifters because this, I mean, on, on Two White Lights, we have a fair share of young, accomplished lifters. Uh, we have Shane Nutt, Skylar Brandt on here. Garrett's a young lifter as well. Uh, Dylan Brace is another one where they get, like, people always comment on their age before their totals. And it's like, man, like, this guy is, like, the future of powerlifting. I'm like, well... I don't know about the future. I think he's the current of powerlifting. He's it's, it's a good total, and he's placed really well in the sport. But then it's like, and they mean that's a compliment, but that you get the kind of like the disses of it too, where they're using that age as like, oh well, he's either progressing really young or really early because he hasn't hit a wall yet in his training, or an injury is waiting to happen. So. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm 26 years old, been competing for three years, and that annoys me. So the fact that it annoys me, I want to ask people who are actually young if that annoys them. Yeah, I'm, I feel like competing, you know, over the last few years from, like, 19 to now 21, I would say it's almost a compliment in some ways when you're competing with guys in the open, like, at local event, like, local meets. Mm -hmm. So, um but other than that, I really don't think twice about it. So, <laughs> all right. And I actually kind of figure that because it doesn't seem like a lot of things phases you. And yeah, from what I've seen too, you you started competing at eighteen years old. Uh, nineteen. Nineteen. All right, and you know, really good progress. And a person who's truly like newer to the sport. Because other powerlifters, like, who are at the age of 20 through 23, from what I talk to them, they've been competing for more years than me. Yeah. And I'm 26 years old. Like, I have three years in the sport, but some of these guys have been starting competing at 16 through 21. So, it's exciting that the numbers are continuously progressing. Consistent progression I've seen with you um, just throughout your meet performances. Sure. Yeah. 
All right, so you are from Indiana, our yep. next-door neighbor. And you train out of Indy City Barbell, uh, a gym I've always admired. I have a lot of uh, friends who train there and a lot of friends who visit there as well. So take me through the atmosphere of that gym. How do you like working out there? Yeah, I personally love it. Like, I I would argue to say it's one of the best gyms in the country. Don't yell at me if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> but like, I'll, I will agree with you. It's amazing, like that the environment and the num- number of like elite lifters we have training there is pretty incredible. Um, it's it's actually very odd though because we have like over two hundred members now. Just opened in December of last year, and it's crazy. Like I can go in at one p.m. and be one of the only dudes in there, but then if you come in at five p.m., everyone gets off work. There's like fifty people all trying to lift. You know, it's just like. A crazy atmosphere for such a you know smaller gym it's pretty everyone's close so yeah i've always I, i'm hoping to visit there soon but it always just looks like of all the gyms that i've seen and i see a lot of them i mean i'm on my phone throughout the day i see people post their workout videos of all the gyms that i saw that was the one i'm like man i would love to train there one day and i didn't have that feeling with any other gym kind of and unless it's like a local gym, like in Illinois, where I could easily go to. So, yeah, I was always curious about that and how people who actually work out there like the gym. Oh, yeah, it's it's a big support group. And, so. and it looks like you got, like, a diverse crowd of powerlifters, too. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and that always <laughs> helps. Um, that always helps training when, like, there's people who are in different federations, different divisions, different weight classes, and working out with them will help you learn a lot about the sport ask this to all of our guests and i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna throw you a little bit of a change up on this one so what is in your opinion the most annoying thing things powerlifters say and then on the flip side what's the most annoying things you see powerlifters do so kind of a two-part question there like, so what they say is the first? Yeah, so with those are, like, the cliches or, like, the overused sayings or just something that's, like, totally incorrect, too, that you either see on social media or powerlifters say to you in person. Because when we have other people on the show, it's, like, they have some stuff that they see on Instagram. They're, like, oh, God, I can't. I hate when somebody says, like, oh, it wasn't the wheat meat I was expecting. Okay. Like, uh... Or when they lie about RP, or you know, uh, comparing anything to or comparing powerlifting to going to bad order. Well, how about uh, how about how about the other one? Think about what is the most annoying thing you see powerlifters do, as far as training goes. Maybe programming, maybe the like them using equipment properly improperly. Okay, so doing is definitely going to be like. I don't understand how, why a lot of lifters, now maybe this is just, like we had talked about at Quad's Gym, uh-huh. like maybe people from the old days, like I call it the old days, but the previous, you know, part of powerlifting, uh, would max out, you know, two weeks prior, and we have all these raw guys, like, maxing out right before their meet, mm-hmm. and then into the meet, and they're hitting, like, 20 pounds under their max, and that's, like, my biggest pet peeve, like... Yeah, and I, I we've discussed on the show, I remember us getting into, like, a uh, kind of, like, a back-and-forth discussion about it, was it's 
it's bizarre and especially if you're going through like a weight cut too or if you're going through anything else because the gym is perfect right maxing out gym should be perfect yeah there shouldn't be too much adversity to deal with you could well you could take your third attempt twice if you want (laughs) you could take five attempts if you technically want um but they do that it's like and the philosophy is okay if it's on my back now if i could do it now i could do it in two weeks it's just not the case maybe a heavy like 95 percent for a double or something that'll work but i and it, it just drives me crazy sometimes where people like literally blow their wad in the gym and then, well, and then, but to them, and I think the reason why a lot of people do that is it's not it's like it. That's actually more important to them than the meat. Exactly. Because, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but I usually see a camera go up whenever these people are going to hit their one rep maxes. They're going to post on Instagram. They're going to post on their YouTube channel. They're going to post on whatever social media platform is necessary to get attention. But then. Two weeks later, you get the cliche that I say a lot. Wasn't the meat I was expecting, but dot, 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 and then whatever mumbo-jumbo bullshit that goes after that. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. I've, I've ranted about that on the show before. Um, we, we'd also talked about um, how Taylor Atwood had posted his, like, AMRAP before Worlds. Yeah. And, yeah, we were talking about, and, like, that was, like, perfect. I was like, well, look, he's not maxing out RPO 11 before, like, Worlds, and he's, like, one of the best lifters in the world, Argu- arguably, arguably, arguably <laughs> the best. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> can't talk. Yeah, well, no, and I agree with that, and I think um, Eddie Cohen um, says something really similar about that in a in an Instagram post where he's like, one rep maxes aren't entertaining to me sometimes. You know what's entertaining? An AMRAP. A set of five. A set of six. That's entertaining to me. Like, if you can maintain proper technique and form with five reps. Like, that's what you should be posting. It shouldn't be all one rep maxes. And and I I agree with you. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a good example. I like that one. Trying to think of the one I'm seeing now. Because I usually throw mine in here, too. Oh, yeah, this isn't technically wrong, but I for some reason drives me crazy. Do you notice when people use the SSB squat backwards? <laughs> and then they, they choke themselves? Yeah. I don't get it. I, I still just don't understand why people do it. I think the only person I've seen that has done that is Kevin Oak. <laughs> I, think, I think I saw him do it. And he like, actually talked about how it choked him. Like... <laughs> I see people literally getting strangled, and I just get confused. I'm, I am like, I it could be effective, it could be beneficial, but yeah. why can't you just front squat instead? <laughs> like that's, I'm just, that's you're using the entire bar to choke yourself essentially when you can just front squat and you're kind of still choking yourself. But I mean, the SSB has a tampon on it, so like that probably helps. I when I look at like the neck when it goes into people's necks, I'm like that will that will literally choke me. I will get choked out by that. Thing. Especially when there's weight on it. But I have seen really good powerlifters, and I trust that it's how they're using it is correctly, or is is being done correctly. But when I see in the gym myself, I just like look at it I'm like I for some reason I'm getting triggered, and it makes no sense. All right, did you think of one for what they say, powerlifters? I was gonna say like 
this may be a little bit off the wall, but like when people try to tell you your RPE and you're not and you're not using like you know a quantitative variable like Taylor. Another example, Taylor Atwood it uses like a thing that sticks to the bar that shows him a variable and makes it. It just tells him what the RPE is basically. So it's like <laughs> I don't know. I just can't stand that when people are like arguing with you on an RPE that you get to decide or you know the thing spits out a number for you like you, I mean. yeah i i uh, yeah i like that one where don't ever comment what my rp was on one of my videos because one i don't even use rp so it's like dude those rp seven like oh are you my coach was it supposed to be rp nine today bud coach was it supposed to be rp nine i didn't know Apparently, you want to tell me what the RPE should be. It's like the goal was 70%. So, yeah, the RPE 7, that's why it looked that way, because I was doing it correctly. But, but yeah. yeah, I like that one. And of RPE either. Like, I'm not big on that. Yeah, actually, that's our show topic this week. So, do you do um, percentage-based training or RPE? I do. I do basically 100%, like, percentage-based. Which... Okay little bit out of you know the new i feel like all the new guys are doing uh rpe based but yeah the only thing i kind of judge off rpe and this is just so i don't like blow like you know my load on a max effort like bench or whatever mm-hmm. well you you like oh okay i had a little bit left so i'll stop there like that's about it yeah um i and i i've discussed this on the show before where the rpe is essentially i think they're equal in the percentage-based training, too, because I'm starting to come around to RPE, not really using it, but starting to understand a little bit more of how it's being used, but I think the best way to kind of, like, find that common ground, RPE is pretty much equal to reps and reserve. Yeah. I think reps and reserve, for me, is a little bit more useful, because if I know I had, like, two more in the tank, or the goal is to, like, just hit my weight where I'm just either one or two reps short, that's the same thing as RP8. Yeah. Or RP7, like, I get three more, but I cut it short, so RP7. Yeah, and I feel like lifting is, like, an, a huge mind game. Like, the RPE, you know, you could just be like, oh, it doesn't feel too hot, and, like, rack it with three rep, reps left in the tank or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, percentage looking at you, and it's, like, showing you some crazy weight for reps, like, if you have your mindset all day for that number, the chances are you're going to go hit that number for that many reps. So it's like, that's why I've always been big on percentage-based. But. Yeah, uh, I, I I do percentage-based training as well, but I, I there is a definite trend coming in with RPE. And I'm starting actually, because I used to hate it. I used to hate when people post it. Now I'm definitely coming around to it and starting to understand a little bit more. Um, we didn't even discuss this like during our pre-show talk, but... Who are some guys in powerlifting right now that you either admire or you're almost like kind of a fan of? Uh, well, rip Jesse Norris because love that guy. <laughs> but uh, definitely Taylor. Taylor put on a crazy performance at Worlds. So I was pretty, like, honestly, smoking those numbers at 74 kg is just unreal. Um, but yeah, as far as like 93 too, like. Mm-hmm. He's going crazy. Like, yeah. In five plus bench and everything. Just Wait, who'd like, you say? What? Who'd you say? You kind of cut out. Ico? Oh, okay. 
Also, obviously, Ashton's going crazy, but apparently he's at 231, but he's weighing like 208. Yep, he's uh, that strong and good. It's unreal, 2K. He's about to. Like... You know, the thing with, uh, we we had like the show after IPF Worlds, uh, just like kind of recapping the performances. Taylor Atwood won best overall by a lot, best overall lifter by a lot, and I felt like or he still got a little bit more publicity than he did. I agree. Yeah, it was strange to me. I was like, dude, Elwood just fucking murdered it. Like, what was it, 1750 or 74? Yeah. He just killed it. And, and, and Russ, I mean, I probably was guilty of this too because I like I like both of those lifters probably equally as far as, like, um, as a performance uh, and a performance uh, standard. But I just felt like when I was thinking after the meet, I'm like, Oh yeah, Taylor Atwood won by a considerable margin, best overall, uh, and like I felt like he didn't get as much credit as I thought he would. Us are, him and Russ are crazy. They're on a whole new level, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, those those the guys you mentioned are definitely on that list, and my list is growing too. So, all right, and w- one of our final questions here: before you are done with this sport, what is your ultimate goal kind of like what's on your strength bucket list um honestly i'd have to go with i just want to win a world championship so (laughs) that's that's definitely uh my end goal like Mm -hmm. i'm not i do that i'll stop but i'm just saying like that's that's definitely been in my head for a while and preferably too like as a junior before i age out and to the open, but yeah, I'd love to do that. It's kind of been my number one priority right now. So you're talking about IPF Worlds, right? I've said this in the past where IPF, if you win IPF Worlds, the chances are you're probably it's not, you know, there's all those unofficial totals and that kind of stuff and the ranking system that we have now, but if you win IPF Worlds once, I think that means more of being ranked number one in the world. Yeah. Like, a lot of, like, that's, like, almost, because mine is just to be ranked number one in the world, but if you win an IPF World Championship, I feel like that's equal, or if not greater than, because you got to go to a competition, that's a difficult competition to go to, no matter what, really. The environment not be might not be what you want it to be, and if you still perform and take first overall or first in your weight class, I think that's incredibly badass. Sure, sure. I mean, being number one in the world, though, against, like, everyone across all federations is mm-hmm. absolutely insane, for yeah. sure. Oh, I mean, but that could be set at, like, a, a meet that's ten minutes away from my house. Yeah. With, like, a gym owner that I know, or the judges I know, and, like, that kind of stuff. So, um, so that's why I say, like, an IPF World Championship sometimes has a little bit more prestige than a world all-time world ranking or something. But uh, for USA, are you going to stick with USAPL or IPF or ever think about changing federations? Um, definitely a USAPL boy. <laughs> oh, nice. So, is so what? What makes you drawn to the USAPL then? Um, honestly, an even playing field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm hoping everyone is obviously like drug free. I mean, you never know. But yeah, the even playing field is what attracted me at first. Um, so, and definitely, obviously, I feel like we provide. Like, USAPL is the top level for drug-free athletes, in my opinion, so. Yeah, and I would definitely agree with your opinion on that one. Um, 
premier drug tested federation in the world, IPF, USAPL. And, I mean, they're pretty much the same thing, but those are the two. Um, also, the competition there is, and USAPL is just far greater than pretty much every federation. As far as middleweight and lightweight lifters go, I think once you go heavyweight, competition gets greater in other federations, but... I agree. Yeah. USAPL, you're going to get... You can have a 5'10 Wilkes at Nationals, and you might finish 7th. <laughs> yeah. And your weight class, not overall, in your weight class. So, Ben, it was awesome talking to you, dude. Um, I cannot wait to come out to Indy and train with you guys. It's, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to come during August sometime. I don't know when, but sometime. Yes, that'd be awesome. Can't wait, man. Thank you for coming on the show, and thank you for giving the fans what they wanted. Another fan-requested interview. Satisfied. Thanks for having me, man. No problem. And we are back. Thank you for Ben Poor taking time out of your day from Indiana to FaceTime me. I'm definitely going to take a trip up to Indiana, train with you guys uh, at Indy City Barbell, and he's probably going to come back out here. But if we don't, we will definitely cross paths at Nationals. Oh, yeah. And in the interview, I said at the beginning, thank God he's out the 83-kilo weight class and going to uh, 205. So one less guy to worry about because I have to worry about, like, the whole world at that point. The freaking four horsemen, well, three of them anyway, so. Yeah, three, I mean, or two, right? Yeah, he's two, yeah. 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 I guess, yeah, technically two. But, and yeah, Noriega's, if you've seen his, like, progress right now, it's looking really good, too. He's looking nasty right now. Yeah. He, he looks real fucking good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing them in Nationals, but our long-awaited topic that we've dangled in front of your face for, like, I don't know, three weeks? Something like that, yeah. Uh, RPE, first percentage-based training. And this got a lot of comments on my topic. We're doing it right now. We're probably going to keep it a little bit more brief because we already shared our takes on it. But here's one take, and I even mentioned this with Ben, that I think think people should use reps in reserve more because I think they're equal to um, RPE. Okay. Because... I, I just think, like, if I could have got two more, that's RPE8, right? If I could have got okay. three more, RP7. If I got four more, RP6. So we're, we're going to base it all off of a, a 10-rep set, essentially? Um, uh, Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, because if you could kind of do – or just, a, like, complete max effort. Because, okay. like, if it's not a max effort if you could do one more, right? Correct. Maybe that last rep that is next- – to be like if a butterfly falls in that bar it's coming down yeah so so like even with rp9 it's like maybe you could squeeze out one more yeah right because so that's your uh rep and reserve and that's what i do more so i guess i've been inadvertently doing rpe because i do a ton of reps and reserve even with my sure. hypertrophy sets um and uh we'll, we'll we'll get to a little bit more of that later but i think uh, the strength athlete posted this and i was like right on rpe equal to reps and reserve Makes sense. A little bit something that I could grasp. But we did RP first percentage-based training. Mm-hmm. And from the comments I received, I was one of the guys who was was totally against RPE from the get-go. Most people on this comments are all for RPE and say it's the most optimal way to um, use it to train efficiently. Which I was surprised about. I, I I thought more people would be on my side on this, but uh, people chose RPE. So my my 
question for those people, and there would be no way to validate this other than just if people are honest, and that's the problem. How many of those people are the same ones who ask, how hard is it to stay on plan? Well, that's why I prefer the percentage base because people go off the plan so often because yeah. they quote felt good. Yeah, and I from so the comments we received, I didn't get any head scratchers. I actually, I saw logic and a good amount of thought put into each Ooh, every yeah. single one of these comments. Um, but it was it, they, they uh, the one thing I'm curious about. So my question that was your question. This is my question. Are they judging RP themselves? Are they setting an RP themselves on that day, or is a coach doing it for them? Because it sounds like they're doing it themselves, which is is interesting to me. I don't know how exactly you can do that. Yeah, because I feel that's in, there's inherent fallacy with that because you're not going to be honest. Yeah, and, and so first comment, Southwest underscore PT, RPE, because a specific weight isn't required. Loading can be adjusted slightly in order to manage uh, training stress and maximize performance regardless of circumstances, uh, lack of sleep, poor nutrition, etc., etc., etc. So it sounds like from that comment that person is doing their own RPE based on how they're feeling for that day because mentioned lack of sleep, poor nutrition, maybe you can't hit a certain percentage that day so you want to get something that's RPE 7 and that's going to be maybe with a lower weight. But... That makes sense, but it's just, I think, incredibly difficult to do. And again, it's, you know, we talk about this when you give our takes, is the the hybrid approach is, you know, and I say hybrid like a hybrid of these two things, not the hybrid performance method, even though that is a, you know, good training method, not saying it's not. We we use the same thing when we're using Propillion's table when I'm doing my training because it's, you're working within the 70, 80, 80 to 90 or whatever, and you're staying with a rep range within that percentage range of your max. Yeah. So, yes, you can adjust. Like, we, we've had to. And, you know, when I was traveling all the time, like, again, I, I'm my body's fatigued from that. So I had to adjust and work more in the lower ranges mm-hmm. than getting up in the... And so there is a bit of RPE there. But, again, it's it's still a prescribed percentage, and it's not me determining it. It is a coach. It's somebody who is objective and saying, okay, I'm looking at your warm-ups, and your warm-ups are fucking trash. We need to stay in the low end, or actually, you look okay today, so let's move towards the high end. Yeah, I and, yeah, and I think out. people who do percentage-based training have, have done that before <laughs> with RPE. Because um, yeah. I, I haven't done it a whole ton on PH3, but PH3, the percentages are set so you keep reps in reserve, which is essentially RPE. It is. And I've said this many times, RPE should probably have a decimal system. And I, the more I thought about that after you said that, I, I actually do agree. Um, I, I was on the fence, but it makes sense. It sounds kind of corny if you do the percentage. Yeah. Or do the oh, yeah, but you're, you're going to get roasted on Instagram immediately. Yeah. If you present it based on the air. I'd rather go turn my list into a smoke show on the platform and then Instagram can kiss my ass. Thank you oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's what, you know, 7.2 is. Like, I do our 72.5%. That's a weird percentage to follow off of. But it is. Do for me doing that. I have two or three reps in reserve, mm-hmm. so that's or I mean probably three reps for seventy two and a half percent. So that's RPE seven or maybe seven and a half. I don't know, but th- there's we have three to four reps in reserve. Yeah, and um, I yeah I do. I I yeah I've noticed that I probably have done like an inadvertent RPE throughout the PH3 the entire time and Lane Norton does use RPE as well in his own self uh, programming and I've seen that before too and he said like 8.5 before so yeah. um makes sense 
TJ Schliff, percentage base with RPE feedback, so things can be adjusted if needed. I pretty much Ryan just said. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, and that's why I mentioned it. I love the feedback. Yeah, we need the feedback. That is where RPE I think is the most beneficial. I think currently right now I cannot self prescribe RPE based training. I need a coach to do that. Yeah, and, and I think too as you as you progress and you get stronger, uh, uh, you know, guys have been coaching my bench, Sean Copeland. He he is actually been really good about this on asking me how weights feel. My my also my other coach uh, Ronald gives me a lot of feedback like this, asking how stuff feels. And as you're progressing and getting stronger. The weights will feel very heavy, but getting that feedback saying it may feel heavy, man, but the shit's moving, or it may feel heavy because it is heavy and you're moving like shit. Yeah, that well, feedback is crucial as you're progressing into weights that are our PRs, you know, consistently. Yeah, I've noticed that before too with my training was that it's like, oh my god, like eighty-seven and a half percent feels heavy. Like, well, it's right. probably supposed to feel heavy. Because right. you know why? I'm close to RP9. Reps right. in reserve diminish at that weight. So it's, uh, it's probably one, RP, like RIR1. And to that end, too, if you're, if you're thinking about it, when you're getting to that 90, 90th percentile of your max, the, the minutia is what gets in the way and what makes things more difficult. Like you Think about this. If you're at 60% of your max, you can kind of have a lot of stuff go wrong, quote-unquote, and you're going to get that lift, no problem. Yeah. Oh, I fell before on 70%. Like, I legit got too far back, and I fell backwards and still was able to adjust my feet and squat next two reps. Right, but if it was 20% higher than that, you it was lights out. Oh, yeah, it would have been done. So, um, we got another comment, Andrew74KG, RPE, auto-regulating can help manage recovery and take advantage of your better-slash-worst days. I believe that both can be used in a program to become the most optimal. Uh, you did say both. I'll let it slide because that was a good, well-thought-out answer. But here's here's one thing that I've been thinking about, um, and this could be a hard, a hardo way of thinking about things. But uh, can... So uh, you're adjusting for your better or worse days because some days you're just not, quote-unquote, feeling it. Yep. It's like it, things feel like trash, but... Like can't shouldn't you be able to still train efficiently if you feel like trash? Some sometimes you just gotta kinda tough through it and through it and do the workout they're supposed to do because hell, you cannot feel awesome. Things cannot go your way on meet day either. Right. And and I, I agree with that and I think it's it's tough to say because again, how honest are people? Well, how many days did you quote unquote not feel it during the whole training cycle? Uh, about eighty percent of great. You adjusted downward the whole freaking time, so mm. you're really gaining anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, so, so at some point, you do have to be able to be honest and gut it out, or have somebody else be honest with you and say, "No, sissy, you're going to go do the damn work." Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I yeah, I always just wondered that. This and that I think speaks a little bit more to percentage based training because you have no choice that they hit those percentages. And uh, Adam Rivera commented that as well. Uh, Adam Rivera, 31, competed yesterday, did great. Uh, nice. Percentage, in my opinion, because you never really know when your body is going to feel like crap, and that RPE 8 might feel like a 9 or 9.5, or vice versa. It feels like a 7. At least percentages are set numbers where even if you feel good or bad that day, you're hitting what's best for that set program. 
Yep. And I think it's uh, it's a good you know way to train mentally as well because on those days when you're just not feeling it, you know, man, I got to go in, I got to do 87% today. That, that's that's big to be able to fight through that and then have that kind of mental victory, knowing that you you've got it deep down inside when it comes to meat day and. You know, you, you're coming out of the hole, and all of a sudden that bar stops moving. It's like, okay, am I going to die here on the hill, or am I going to keep pushing forward? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And I, but I think percentages could be set about as dim-witted as RPE is sometimes. Oh yeah, you overreach. Like if you say, hey, I'm going to be a 750 squatter, but you can barely hold 600 on your back. Well, yeah, you've overreached. You know, well, I, I, I'm saying more so with like how they're handling their rep schemes with percentage-based training. Like today, we're doing. 85 percent for six reps uh three sets of six like well that's a lot for 85 percent let's do it for maybe four or five four sets or whatever yeah it's like or just one set of six and then a back off back off sets of like five or three like i yeah i'm just repping sets are important yeah like i think people can be dim-witted with percentage-based training as well it's got to be it's still got to be smart your percentages because oh yeah Again, with the the programs I've seen use percentage based training, they're not just like these real set things where it's just like oh seventy five percent eight to twelve because that's what you should hit right. That's a hypertrophy percentage is yeah. eight to twelve uh, eight to twelve reps to seventy five percent. You should be able to hit that, but that's not it's really the most the, efficient way. What's it? That's total reps or that's per set per set per set, and it's not because again that's where I. Papillion's table, I always kind of come back to this one where it has the prescribed sets and rep schemes. Okay. In, and then it has a total rep scheme as well. So maybe again, you're in that 70 to 80% range. You should be hitting between 24 and 32 reps total oh, yeah. in that range. So so on um, PHRE, it's the same thing. It's for that block that you're running. Um, so three sets of, it's all eight. So yeah. it's always going to be eight. And But in that rep range, based on like what studies have shown for 75 percent you should hit hit it for eight to 12 reps within that range but yeah in that day where i'm hitting 75 percent i could probably hit it for 10 possibly Mm -hmm. 12 a few sets i don't do it because we're going you know sometimes sometimes we go like 45 reps yeah in total because it's like it's you know it could be five sets of eight because we hate ourselves yeah well i mean uh lane orange just i guess hates everyone running the program then but, um, uh, yeah, he's trying to knock off a bunch of people. Uh, Frank Daddy, 29%, and reason is because so much goes into RPE. Most people don't even know why they're in love with their spouse half the time, let alone, let alone know how they can rate a weight that they, ha- to do, uh, bad sense there, based on a feel <laughs> or strength that day. Yeah, it's not, that, it, I love you, Frank, but can we just tighten up that sense a little bit? Pick a percent and get fucking amped for weight, or, or get fucking amped for it, and do it because you know what weight you can do. If you do a weight and can't do it, you lie to yourself along the way. So, Frank Daddy, Brandon Allen, big proponent of um, percentage-based training. Yeah. Which... Yeah, I guess that makes sense, but I think, uh, yeah, I think people, based on even this one, I think people can get just as stupid with um, percentage-based training as well. Well, we're all inherently stupid, so it helps. Yeah, pretty much. 
Um, uh, that's, this is a pretty blunt comment. RPE, percentage is archaic and dumb. David Perkins. This guy fucks with me a lot. Um, I think we became friends through him trolling me. Nice. And I've gone on to troll him. So, and we, yeah, we just DM, we just, I know this person zero. I think he lives in England or whatever, whatever the fuck. Okay. And we just talk shit to each other on DMs, and we're like weird friends frenemies, because of basically. it. Yeah, frenemies because he's like, I'm gonna be in Chicago uh, this weekend. If you want to have a fucking Donnybrook, we can go do that right now. I'm like, all right. <laughs> he's like, I'm gonna be in Wrigleyville. If I get, if I get your ass kicked, you can come and see me. <laughs> he's he, he's actually a really funny guy. I like him, and he well, follows yeah, me, so I think he I'll likes me too. Yeah. So, um, we had another one, uh, a person who competed yesterday, too. Uh, RPE isn't reliable, in my opinion, because an RPE could be different depending on how you feel that day, diet, rest, etc. So, what is RPE 6? Today might be RPE 4 on a different day, but your percentages are fact. On your best day, you calculated a max and built a program around that number instead of fluctuating moods. I like that explanation. The first part... I think is redundant because I think that's why a lot of people use RPE mm-hmm. is because they feel differently on day to day. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's like, it's kind of the same thing. Occasionally it could be less and occasionally it could be more, but percentage based training is based off of your one rep max. It's something you've hit. And if you consistently hit, and if you consistently hit, you should consistently be able to continue to hit throughout your uh, programming. Yeah, and let's see. What's the return of the meat say? I like this guy. One of my favorite lifters. Yeah. I use a mix of both when I program for people. Typically, percentages in the beginning of the week so they can so they can't bitch out and RPE in the second half because it gives a person freedom based on how hard the first half of the week beat them up. All right. See, so he's a coach. He coaches people. That makes sense. Yeah, and depending on how you're how you're programming that and what their schedule is, I guess I, I see the, the validity in that. It makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying to find short Oh my god, these are like the longest longest <clears throat> responses in history. Yeah. Uh don't, don't mind me. <laughs> oh yeah. Old Yeah, I just kinda of ignore everything you say now. Uh old man powerlifting. <laughs> old man powerlifting still testing RPE, so no answer yet. Okay, thank you for telling us. Appreciate it. Thank you for telling us what's going on in your life right now. We, we expect a response back in the next 30 days. Yeah. Complete dissertation, please. Yeah, if, yeah. I, I, it feels like that guy thought that the whole topic relies on his answer. Yeah. Um, percentage with the ability to adjust or down according to day of. RP has too much of a margin of error. That was Wood Crate Turtle. Okay. Big fan of the show. So yeah. Afterwards, I'm going to head down to towards indiana when i want to train with with wood crate because we've been talking about it for a while oh nice you're welcome to join if you'd like to indiana yeah i'll head down there i love i love going to places that are not really fucking far away from me so there we go. if we go to indianapolis which it sounds like we might be we uh we're gonna hit up st elmo's i'm gonna burn your face off with some cocktail sauce cocktail sauce yeah, have you ever been to St. Elmo's? It's a uh, it's a famous restaurant in downtown Indianapolis. Yeah. They have, like, world-famous cocktail sauce. The horseradish is so hot that you can come in with a sinus infection, and you'll leave without one. <laughs> huh. Cocktail it's, sauce. It's I've never bad. heard world-famous cocktail sauce. I'm telling you, man. 
Well, no, I, I bet it's, like, extremely hot sauce, but, like, but no, you put shrimp cocktail on. It's not, like, spicy hot. It's the horseradish that has the, the, the I guess, horseradishiness. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know how to describe that. It's like, it's yeah, no, spicy. I just, you know, when you said world famous cocktail sauce, I'm like, I've never heard of any, like, I didn't know cocktail sauce could be world famous. It's like, it try should, our world famous milk. Yeah, it, it shouldn't be world famous, but because of just how unique it is. And the other thing, too, is basically what they do is they'll give you, like, a jumbo shrimp, and they'll make you pile this on as much as you can get on it as kind of that introduction. So it, it will remind you a lot of the first time you sniffed an onion. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Which wasn't... All right. Okay, cool. Yeah. That would be and fun, the, then. Yeah. And the food and the, and the drinks are bomb, so... All right. You know. Yeah, I was just I was just taking back a world famous cocktail sauce. Um, I just <laughs> world world world's famous ranch dressing. Like I don't know, like, it's ranch. Why not? World's famous Thousand Island dressing. All right, well, yeah, I know that could be world's famous, but yeah, that's gonna do it for our topic though. Uh, thank you for everyone commenting. That was a really good topic that got a lot of interaction between other people, which is always nice. Um, how is training going for you? Training is generally good. Uh, I actually was, uh, I took a bit of time off this week. Not a true low, but it's a bit of time. Uh, the volume that we've been doing, especially concentrating on bench, uh, definitely affected my shoulders. Um, so it took a little time to, to rest, but overall training is, is moving well. Uh, squats are moving good. Delos are moving well. I've adjusted a lot of things over this training cycle and over the last couple to try to dial everything in. Uh, I actually did a, little side piece with uh, my favorite restaurant in Illinois, Big Ed's Barbecue, and actually did a commercial with them. Oh, nice. Where I pulled, uh, I think I pulled 495 for like 15 or 16 reps uh, as a challenge to Big Ed, the owner, and then I think the last one I held it for like 20 seconds while they were filming. Nice. Um, but I, I mean, everything was moving just wonderfully. No no issues, no concerns, no pain. Um, happens when you get old, by the way. Yeah. And but yeah, so it was just everything feels really good going in. Um, been very focused on taking time to recover as well. And you're gonna hate when I say this. I have gotten on the CBD wagon. I'm not gonna name any brands. None of the it's ones that fine. Are... Just as long as you don't fucking. Yeah, I'm not. Um, I mean, it might be the key of getting shredded and um, getting a like a Ferrari. I mean, could you guys imagine me shredded though? Come on now. <laughs> good point. Yeah, exactly. 99% um, of our uh, conversations turned to you, the food you ate, so. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it has already today. Yeah. But I will I've... say, <laughs> I noticed a, I think there is a bit of a placebo effect, but I have noticed a, a definite reduction in the general pain that I deal with. Yeah, and I still don't doubt that it works. Yeah. I just. Uh, but, but again, have... I'm trying to not be like, oh man, this is a miracle. It's not a miracle thing, but I, I I know what it's doing, and it's doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. All I know is CBD contracts are probably, the contracts you have to sign to be sponsored by them are probably really annoying and tedious, where it's like seven Instagram posts a week, and you have to be doing something. Because when you see athletes do that, it's because of the con, uh, the obligations they have to follow in contracts. So, But that's good to know that it's actually working for you. Yeah, and but other than that, I mean, training's going well, uh, feeling very ready. And, and I'll be honest, I am ready for this meet to be done. Uh I want to kind of enjoy the rest of 2019 and enjoy doing stuff for the show, going to meets, just kind of living life. Yeah, I agree with that. And part of me too is like ready to be, you know, I'm, 
I'm not saying I'm looking past nationals because I'm already nervous for nationals, even though I'm 12 weeks out. But yep. kind of like what lies next as far as what I do, because I'm just kind of more excited about just trying new things with powerlifting, not really getting into whole different, you know, sports or anything. Just, yep. it, you know, there's there's a lot more I need to experience in powerlifting, um, you know, before it's all said and done. But um, training for me has been great. Um, the Two White Lights blog, I, the feedback for the training log has been really good, and I'm surprised about that. Um so PH3. I will. What's up? For the PH three. Yes. Nice. Um, I am surprised that it's gotten that much feedback. Uh, so I will continue to do the training log. So I won't share a ton of things on here. Um, if you guys have specific questions, I will share either immediately on Two White Lights blog or my Instagram page, or even here if you want me to elaborate on something more, because I already have with um, like reps and reserve and kind of explaining that, but. Yeah, keep, uh, keep up to date. Subscribe on Two White Lights blog because, again, um, people really want that template for PH3 and people want to run it. So um, Yeah, and yeah. I can, if people ask for it, I will put the Papillion's table up. It's not hard to find, too, just like PH3. You can find the template online. It's not difficult. Yeah, but. and um, also, yeah, and look, be on the lookout for more articles on our blog as far as, like, me perhaps writing one or giving some videos on volume training and why it's beneficial um, I'll probably yep. hyperlink uh, Lane Norton's video on using volume to your advantage. Uh, yep. That was a really good video that I found early in my lifting career that helped me understand how to manage volume correctly mm-hmm. and efficiently, even for powerlifting and bodybuilding. That could be uh, pretty useful for both. So there's going to be a lot of articles based on what I say in my training log um, that are going to come in the future because – some some of these things got to be explained. It's all about the content, folks. Yeah, all about the content. And also, thank you for everyone visiting Two White Lights. We've had a massive, massive traffic boost in the past week. So, thank you. Yes, thank you, everyone. Appreciate y'all. Yep, and that's going to do it for this episode of Two White Lights. We have yeah. some guests lined up you guys are going to be excited for. I'm excited for it, so... Um, two weeks, man. I'll be in Florida. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, it is. And I can't really, I, fuck, I really would like to go to Florida, but I definitely can't. But, um, um, why not? Why not? I yeah. don't know. A lot of money, I guess. Money. And then like, I, uh, well, when are you going out? So, so we fly out the 13th. Remember, it's all, all six of us are going. Okay. So we fly out the 13th. We don't come back till the 23rd. Um, We'll talk after the show because we we have I have life hack for everybody. Uh, if you're traveling to high destination areas, so think of like your Orlando's, your Las Vegas is, etc. Look for big hotel chains that have timeshares and book your rooms there because you don't oh. get a hotel room, you get a freaking condo. Oh damn! And so we we have a two bedroom condo with laundry, living room, kitchen, the whole nine. And yeah, it's we should have figured that out in Manchester last year. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Well, I don't know if they. I mean, shit, their condo might just be a regular hotel room. It could be. Yeah, I mean, no wrong. The snuggling was great last year. Yeah, everything is smaller over there. So fucking, it, it, it is a three bedroom house is probably the size of my I don't know, goddamn room. Yeah, probably the size of the the fan cave down here. Right now. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah. Anyway, 
Oh yeah, I'll 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 keep in contact with that because it would be it would be cool to go down there. But yep. a lot of stuff with training and that different variables and like because I'm still I would be in the middle of prep while you guys Me are down there. Out, so yeah, makes sense. We'll figure it out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so we'll see you guys next week. I am the co-host for me known as Enzo, and with me is Thing Three Sixteen. Deuces. <laughs>